scares me to death even to this day. I remember as a, as a teenager with, with her, uh, I, I hated getting my teeth pulled as a child, not as a teenager, that too, but, but as a child, I, I hated getting my teeth pulled, but I sleep very soundly. I still do that today. And so she would come in and hold my nose until my mouth would open, pull my tooth. She'd take a, a dry tea bag and shove it in my mouth to soak up all the blood. I'd wake up with this terrible taste in my mouth, but I'd be missing a tooth. And the tooth fairy, by the way, did not pay whenever they just took your tooth, right? And so as a teenager, I would get a little snippy and run my mouth a little bit to mom, and she would look at me, all five foot four of her, and just say, that's fine, you'll go to sleep. And it would frighten me beyond belief because I knew that I was completely vulnerable in my sleep to all five foot four of her, her rage and fury. But moms have these codes, don't they? They have these things that they say. I'm sure every one of your mothers or you as a mother have said something or remember something that has been said to them. I saw something this week that was kind of funny that that says when a mom doesn't want to share, she has a code for that. She just tells the kids, oh, no, no, it's too spicy for you. That's mom code for I don't want to share with you. Some of you are laughing because you've done that before, haven't you? Oh, no, you wouldn't like this. It's too salty or whatever, right? One child was asking about money for her mom uh, from his mom and, and said, you know, hey, mom, can I get some money? She goes, what, what are you, why are you always asking me for money? He goes, well, you know what mom stands for, right? And, and I put it up here so you can hear me a little bit. Made of money. <laughs> that, that's what mom stands for, right? Now some of you parents are going, yeah, I'm glad my kids are out of here because they were like, oh, yeah, that's what mom stands for, too. That's what mom stands for. A young man and his, and his mother, they were, they were on vacation. He was about to go into college he, a couple of years uh, from going to college, they're trying to figure out how to pay for, for school. And uh, while they're on vacation, they're having all these conversations. And some of you know who's, who's parented children. You know, it's interesting that we're in the margins. You have some really interesting conversations with your kids, right? Uh, or you get them distracted on doing something over here because they're not paying attention to what the right hand is doing. And you get to have some conversations that you might not normally have. And so they're on vacation and they're touring and they actually find themselves at this alligator farm. And uh, where you go out and you throw the marshmallows and the alligators eat. Y'all ever been to one of these things before? But anyway, they're out there at this alligator farm. They're doing these things. And the, the guy who, who's running this place, he says, now, listen, uh, we've, we've always had this deal. Where we'll give anybody a million dollars if they jump out of here into the water with the alligators and make it to, to, the, to the bank. We'll give them a million dollars. And about that time, that kid was in the water, man, and he was just walking on water. And he made it across the way. And, and of course, they had to pay him out a million dollars. And he said, uh, later on in an interview, the, the people asked him, uh, they said, well, you know, where did that courage and that bravery come from? He goes, look, man, I don't know what happened. He says, somebody pushed me. <laughs> Moms have a way of just encouraging us sometimes, don't they? Somebody pushed me. Somebody was there helping me do what I wasn't able or willing or capable of doing on my own. That's a mom, isn't it? That's a mom that, that, that believes more in you than you do in yourself or at least is willing to make you try something that you don't want to try, or at the very minimum make you finish something that you started. I mean, that's a mom I know. That's a mom that I've seen in my wife. That's a mom I've seen in many of you too. That uh, Many of a conversation where we all talk about our kids, right? There's that time where you talk a lot about your kids, and sometimes you're just trying to convince yourself you're not a bad parent, right? You want to make sure everybody else is as bad a parent as you are. But moms are there to encourage you, aren't they? They're there to bail you out. They're there to help you out. They love you unconditionally. Now listen, I, I'm not immune to the reality that some moms are not good moms. I, I'm not immune to the reality that some good moms have not made bad decisions because we're, we're people, we do that. But I will tell you something this, there is something very interesting about a mother's love. Even a bad mother knows what it is to love her child. I want you to open your Bible with me this morning to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, we see the, 
the transition from Elijah to Elisha. And these were two Old Testament prophets that were very much favored by God. Elisha was the prophet to Israel, and he was acting as, as both judge and prophet. And during this time, the, the Israelites are experiencing a drought that had been called down. And so economically, times are very, very challenging. They're very, very difficult. And Elisha is acting as God's instrument, his mouthpiece to the people of Israel. And so when they needed something, they don't have what we have today. They didn't have the ability for the Holy Spirit to groan and to cry out and to pray for us. They would go to God's appointed person, the prophet, and the prophet would speak to God, and God would, would, would speak to them, and he would speak on behalf of the people. And many times they were interpreting old scriptures, and honestly, in the Old Testament, we're actually writing Old Testament, right? And so Elisha was one of the, the prophets of God. He would be the chief prophets. And there was a, a man who actually served the prophets and was very loyal. He loved God and was very loyal to serving the prophets and taking care of them. But for whatever reason, he found himself in debt. And so we're going to look at the first seven verses of, of 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And we're going to walk through them just a couple of verses at a time. And, and I, I want you to, you're going to see two things. We're going to see a mom's love and a mom's duty and what a mom does and what a good mom looks like. And we're going to see how moms reflect God's love for us. And so let's look at the first two verses here in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing here at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Now, in context, what we understand here is that for whatever reason, the husband had got himself into debt. He owed money. But they had very little at all, and he was unable to pay that money back before his death. And we don't know how he died or what happened there. And as the custom was, the, 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 the debt collector would come and he would take usually the children to work off their father's debt. And so we see that now. And, and look, we know that he served as a prophet. So he loved God and he knew God. And most likely what I would imagine, even though the scripture doesn't say this, so please understand, total conjecture here. But most likely what I would imagine is during a time of famine and drought that here's a dad trying to do the best to take care of his family and he's doing all that he can and that causes him to go into debt. And he would rather be in debt than lose his family to famine or to starvation or to anything else. And this is the situation that they find themselves in. And so the debt collector under the law comes and he's going to take the children. And of course, the mom has this really unique situation because first of all, she doesn't want to lose what she has left. She's already lost her husband. And now she's going to have her children taken from her. Second of all, as a widow in this culture, she has no one to stand for her. She has no one to stand up for her. Her rights are essentially gone. And not only does her husband not there to provide protection over her, but to have a voice for her in this context, her sons likewise will not grow up to be men to have that voice for their mother. And so she will be absolutely all on her own. This is a challenging opportunity. But one thing I want you to see more than anything else is that a mother teaches us to be resourceful, creative, and honest. Because she was wise enough to cry out to Elisha to say to the prophet, my husband who served the prophets, who loved God, did all that he could, and I can't do anymore, and I am, I am stuck here, but I'm going to call out to help. And I'm going to speak to God's man and see if God's man can help me out, at least give me some good advice, and I'm going to be honest about this. And when he asked her, well, what do you have? 
She didn't necessarily minimize her possessions, but she was just very honest. All I have is a jar of olive oil. That's it. That's all I got. We're in famine. We're in drought. My husband is dead, and my sons are about to be taken away. And if you were to come to my house right now, all you would see that all that I have is one jar of olive oil. That's it. That's what I got. There was a little girl on her first day of school. Y'all remember taking your kids to school for the first time, Mom? Now, some of you have these stories where your kids were just crying, and you were just crying on day one, but come Friday, the kids weren't crying anymore, and you were doing all the crying, right? Your kid was excited to go to class after that. There was a little girl, she was so afraid of going to the first day of school, and here's this mom, first-time mom, not knowing what to do. She takes her wedding ring off, and she ties it to her daughter's shoelaces, and she says, don't worry, just look down at that, think of me all day long, and I'll be here waiting for you whenever you get back from school. She was resourceful. She took something of great value to her to remind her little girl that mom was going to be there. Mom was going to do whatever she could to help her out. This is the same situation with this widow. She did everything she could. She took all that she had, and she went to the prophet and says, this is all I got. It's kind of like when mom whips up that Halloween costume for you last minute, or, hey, we've got this thing at school tomorrow morning, and there's mom there to help you out. Any moms ever do that? No, y'all are better moms. Your kids are better, right? Is that what you're telling us? That, that 2 o'clock in the morning and everybody's crying and you're all frustrated. Mom, it looks like a shower curtain. It doesn't look anything like Mount Vesuvius. Well, of course it's a, you know, a shower curtain. What do you think was going to happen here? Right? Moms are resourceful, especially when times get hard. Because moms will do whatever they can to protect their children, both physically and emotionally, to help them out. And this is what this mom was doing. But she was honest about it. She didn't say, I don't have anything, or she didn't hold back the one thing she had left, the one thing of value. And if you really stop and think about it for a moment, it might have been acceptable to at least understand where she's coming from to say, listen, all I have is a little bit of oil, but if my kids go away, my husband goes away, this is all I have to preserve my own life. I really don't want to use that. Do you see this catch-22 that she's in? If I tell you that all I have left is this little bit of oil and you take it and it doesn't work out, then I'm probably going to starve to death. And my kids will be servants to somebody else to pay off their father's debt. And when that's done, I won't be here for them when they get back. It's a tough call, isn't it? But as a good mother, as a God-fearing woman, she says, all I have are these, this one jar of oil. Well, look what verse 3 says. Elisha said to her, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it on one side. I think this is really interesting for a lot of reasons. Because one, on the intellectual side, what we can consider is that if everybody's in this drought and everybody's in this famine, there's probably a lot of empty jars running around town, isn't there? They're having a hard time figuring out how to get oil, how to get flour, how to get whatever. There's a lot of empty jars because everybody in this entire community is struggling. Everybody is hurting at this time. And when she asked the prophet what she should do, he gives her direct answers. And I'm going to tell you something right now. And kids, if you're in here, particularly teenagers, I want you to know something about your moms. And this is a solid statement that I'd stand by seven days a week, twice on Sundays, that a mother's pride is no match for a mother's hope. A mother's pride is no match for a mother's hope. There is not anything that a mother would not do to take care, protect, preserve, to help out their child. There is nothing. There's not a, a measure of embarrassment that your mom would not take on if it meant helping out her kid. 
There's not a measure of, of humbling themselves or even humiliating themselves that a loving mother would not do to take care of their children. There's not a measure. A mother's pride completely gets pushed away when it comes to a mother's hope for their child. And if you don't believe me, you find a mother who has dealt with a teenager. doesn't matter what their situation is. Because nothing humbles a parent like a teenager, right? Nothing does. If you want to go a step further, you find a mother who has a child that's had a, a drug or alcohol issue or has been in, 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 in trouble with the law or maybe they get into their, their early 20s and they have a financial issue or worse yet, they find themselves in prison. It does not matter. A mother's love, her pride goes away because she still has hope that her kid's going to be okay, that everything's going to work out, and she would do whatever it takes to make sure of that. When I was a junior in high school, my, my friend Lee lived down the, the road from me, and Lee was a baseball player, and he loved baseball. And Lee slid into third base, and he dislocated his shoulder. And during the process of his rehabilitation, they were constantly doing x-rays for him. And on this third and final x-ray to clear him to go back to playing baseball, they found a lump in his chest the size of his fist, and he had uh, non-Hodgkin's uh, disease, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And... Um, in the process of, of, of his junior and senior year, Lee had to do a lot of chemotherapy and a lot of radiation and everything else. My mother is a two-time cancer survivor, and she's tough. I told you, she's five foot four and mean as a snake. I hope she's not watching this morning. I love you, Mom. Lee's mother was a good mom. She loved him very much, but this was overwhelming for her. She knew my mom. She knew my mom had battled through these things before, and her pride did not get in the way of her hope for her son. And she went to my mother, and she says, would you help me? Would you take him? Would you go with us to chemo? Would you go with us to radiation? I got to tell you, at the time, I was a little bit frustrated because when I thought my mom would be home when I'd get off the school bus, mom was with Lee and his mom taking care of chemotherapy and everything else. But I'll tell you this about Miss Carolyn. Her pride did not get in the way of asking for help. Her hope for her son, the hope that she had for him, is not unlike this widow here who is saying, I'll do whatever it takes. I will go in there, and I will close the door, and if you tell me to take the last amount of oil that I have left and pour it in this jar and all the many jars, and if I have to go out and tell everybody in the community all my business that I'm broke and that I'm afraid and I'm about to lose my kids, I will do whatever it takes. If this is what God is directing me to do through his prophet, I'll do whatever it takes for my kids. I'm not going to let my pride stop me from exercising hope from doing what I'm supposed to do. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good mom. That's a pretty good mom who not only loves God but loves her kids and will do whatever it takes. And so she went around and she found all these empty jars, and he said, go inside and, and close the door behind you and start pouring out all that you have left. Now, the math doesn't work. Let's just be honest about that. I have a jar of oil, but now I need to pour all this oil into all these other jars. Now, you and I would probably look at that and understand that, but she looked at that and said, you know what, my hope is greater than my pride. My hope is greater than the mathematics. I'm going to pay attention to what I've been told to do, and I'm going to trust that God is working through this situation. And if this is what he wants me to do, this is what he wants me to do. But look what he says in verse 5. That she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Now, I want you to see that verb, she kept pouring, she kept pouring, she kept pouring. In verse 6, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Isn't that an amazing story? I say story, but if it's in this Bible, it's an amazing truth. 
It's an amazing truth where she went in and she did exactly what she was told. She believed that this was going to work. She asked for help. She listened to the advice that was given to her from, a, from, from God's man, from the prophet, and she did exactly as he was told. And you know what? Sometimes we learn that from mom, that we need to do what we're told. We learn that from mom, that if we're going to be willing to ask for help, listen to the advice that's given to us, particularly if it's godly advice. And as a child, we can watch mom do things on faith because she asked and she responded appropriately. And it's the mother's faith to do those things that is so revealing to us later on. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times that I watched things my mom did that did not make any sense to me at all. But as a parent now, I totally get it. I totally get it. It makes sense to me now. It didn't have to make sense to me then, but it did to mom. And that should have been enough. And this lady here, she said, let's just keep pouring. Let's just keep pouring. Let's just keep pouring. I would imagine that after the first jar poured into the second jar and she looked back and the first jar is still full, that something is probably happening here. And she tried it again and she tried it again and she tried it again and she just kept on going. She was in a rhythm. Now, I know sometimes that when things happen like that, our faith is a little bit stronger because we're seeing it in action. We're seeing it in real time. And so she responds here in such a way that says, bring me another jar. Bring me another jar. Let's keep trusting God. Let's see what he's doing. This miracle is awesome. Let's see what God keeps doing. And now, not only is she doing this, and she's doing this with such conviction, look who her audience is. Her two sons. Her two sons are watching mom be obedient. That's one of the greatest gifts that I think moms can give to their children is watching them obediently follow God's directions, watching them trust God and to live that out, even and especially when times get hard. Because even when my faith wavers, sometimes it's just good to go talk to mom. Right now, I have the blessing of having my mom with me, and I can call her whenever I want, and I can talk to her. And I know that some of you don't have that blessing, whether your mom has passed on or maybe you just don't have a good relationship with her. I understand that. But I'll tell you this, that a... a a mother does all that she can until it's time to do a little bit more. And in this mom right here, this mom right here, there was no quit in her. There was no give up in her. She didn't even bother to take inventory to see how many jars they had. She just said, pass me another one. Give me another one. Let me have some more. Let's keep doing this. Let's keep seeing what God's going to do. This is a miracle right in front of us, and I believe that whatever's happening here, God's going to take care of that, and I'm going to get my sons back, and I'm going to keep pouring oil out of this one jar until I get my kids back. The mother does all that she can until it's time to do a little bit more. And when one of her kids finally said, hey, Mom, we're out of jars, she didn't say, okay, now what do we do? She listened, went back to the prophet, went back and spoke to God through Elisha, and Elisha said to her, all right, now, Go sell all these jars full of oil. You're in a famine. You're in an economic downturn. Things are hard. God has provided for you. Now go see how he multiplies his provisions and how it not only provides for you, but now you've provided a service and a good back into your community. Do you think God's interested in our economy? You better believe that he is. Miraculous things happen when people are obedient, and moms are amongst the most obedient of us all. And when moms obediently follow what God wants us to do, it's an example for our children. It's an example for other people to say, you know what, when things were hard, when there was no recourse for her, when she had no voice to go to the courts and try to petition for the judge to give her her kids back to take care of her, when all of that worldly hope was lost, she put her hope and trust in, in God. And her kids watched it. 
and God provided for her tremendously. I don't think she went into this thinking this is how I'm going to get rich. I don't think she went into this thinking that, that I'm going to make a whole lot of money out of this. I think she went into this saying, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to ask God if he'll provide for me and take care of my kids. And when he says, this is what I should do, I'm going to do it because I don't have a better plan. And when he tells me to do what's next, I'm going to do that too. I'm going to keep on moving. No matter how weird or how strange or how odd this may be, I'm going to trust the directions that God gave me because I will do whatever it takes until it's time to go a little bit more, until it's time to go and get my kids. Throughout the entire book of 2 Kings, when we see the stories of Elijah and Elisha, what we see over and over and over again, and I encourage you to read the rest of 2 Kings chapter 4 particularly, what we see over and over and over again is God is making these, these provisions for his people over and over and over again. And he's showing them on a grand scale that his love for his people has no boundaries and neither does the ability for him to provide for them. He does some crazy and amazing stuff whenever you read through this book. But it shows us the, the power of obedience. And it actually, in the Old Testament, this does some really interesting things. It elevates women in the Old Testament in, in, in places where you don't see as much of that going on. It's a very good precursor to what Jesus will do when he comes into the environment. When Jesus feeds 5,000 people with only a few loaves and a few fishes. It's the same type story where we see that God intervenes and does the miraculous when our hearts are inclined to him. When our hearts are crying out to him. And unfortunately, so many times we get ourselves in some really challenging situations where we finally go to God. Instead of going to him first. And it's a mature, it's a wise, it's a loving mother as she grows in her faith, as she, she grows in being a mom to her kids, she realizes, you know what, the smartest thing I can probably do for me and for them is to go to God first, is to go to him, share with him what my struggles are, what my fears are. He already knows them, by the way, but sometimes I just have to confess those and admit them and wrap my own mind around it and then listen to him whenever he tells me what he should do. This is a wonderful story about a loving mother who would do whatever she had to do, whatever she could do for her kids. But more than anything else, this story tells us this, is that God can use whatever we have if we'll just trust him to do so. God can use whatever we have if we just trust him to do so. On its merits, when you read this in the Bible and you see that all that she had was one jar of oil, there's no solution that makes any sense to us where these kids are going to get out of their debt, where they're going to be able to stay with mom. There's no solution at all. And like it or not, whenever she was able to sell all those extra jars of oil and get a little income and have some money and be able to buy some things, it moved her status in that society to a different place where she was no longer dependent upon the leftovers or the mercy or even the pity of others God provided for her because God can do a whole lot with very little. He did so in this situation, and he wants to do so for your lives too. He wants to do so for your lives too. And I think one of the, the most challenging things that I hear as, as a professional in the ministry, whatever that looks like, is that if God only knew how bad I was or if God knew this decision that I made or if God knew about my past, I'm going to tell you something. He knows every single bit of it. But when you turn to him and you say, God, I'm bringing to you a whole lot of junk and all I got is a little bit of pride, a little bit of hope, a little bit of whatever, God says, don't worry, I can do a whole lot with a little. I've done it before and I'll do it again. And I want to. And I want to. If you don't believe me, he saved all of mankind with three nails by hanging his son on the cross. God can do a whole lot with very little. 
if we'll just trust him to do so. It's our moms that give us opportunities to see what trust, what real trust looks like. It's those relationships with, with parents, whether, whether they're, they're as an adult looking at our, our older parents or as a young parent looking at our children. It's how we live our lives in trust and in confidence. It's how we look at whatever we have and we make the best of that situation knowing that no matter what our best is, it is nothing compared to what God can do with just a very, very little. Jesus would call this a mustard seed faith. If we would have but faith of a mustard seed, we would say to that mountain, move, and it would. God can do a whole lot with very little if we'll but just trust him with it. If we'll but just trust him with it. Now, I know in, in a room this size or anybody online, I know that the, the mother-child relationship can be pretty challenging sometimes. I, I know that, that we don't always agree with our parents, and we don't always have the same point of view as our parents. We don't always have the same values as our parents. And sometimes we actually do have the same values and beliefs. We just don't like our parents. Or we just don't like being told what to do. I'm 45 years old. I'm still like that. I don't love my mom any less, but sometimes she'll get under my skin, and I'm like, oh, man. The worst thing I can do is tell her she's right because there's no stopping her after that. That's the nature of humanity. We push back against any authority in our life. We push back against anybody who really is looking out for our best interest and looking out for the greatest of us. But the more we demonstrate that God can do a lot with very little and that he wants to do so, if we'll just trust him in that, whether we be a, a child or an adult or an older adult, we we, what we see is God's love for us is demonstrated in such a way that he's given us all these examples in our life. And so here's what I would, I would challenge you to do this morning. If your mom's still with you, call your mom today. When I used to work with youth at the previous church I served at, I'd get these kids that were going on to their senior year, and they were about to go off to college, and I would always tell them just before they would graduate from high school, I would say, now remember, in a few days, about this time of year, in a few days, the state of Texas is going to give you a piece of paper that says you have successfully completed the minimum expectations. Way to go. Some of them would get it a little quicker. You have successfully completed the minimum expectations. And so come September 1st, you're back at zero. You're just like everybody else, starting over. And most of the kids wouldn't get it, but I would tell them that they had to do a couple of things for me every time they went off to college or whatever they did. They had till October to go find a church home, and then they had to make sure no matter what, they had to call their mom. And I'll tell you, here's why. Don't text your mom. Don't send her an email. You pick up the phone, you let her hear your voice. And the reason why you do so, because if you don't call your mom, she knows something's up. I had the misfortune of having nomadic parents when I was in college. They traveled a lot, they would call me, and one day they'd be in Ohio, and the next day they're knocking on my door in College Station and showing up at my house. On more than one occasion, they caught me up to no good. I'd like to tell you I learned my lesson, but I'm a little slow learner. Probably perhaps the worst example is when I decided, you know what, Southwest Airlines has some pretty cheap airline tickets. I'll just fly up to Amarillo and see some of my, my, my friends for the weekend. We'll go out, have a good time, and I'll make it back to school come Monday. We're driving down the interstate there, and I look over at the vehicle beside me. It's this big V10 F350 Ford that my dad had. And I look out of the back seat window, and I look into the, the passenger side window, and guess who it is? Five foot four, Norma Jean. 
driving down the interstate at 70 miles an hour making eye contact with her little boy who should not be in Amarillo, by the way. He should be in College Station. It was like getting pulled over because she... I leaned up to the driver and I said, Terry, if you know what's good for you, you'll pull the car over. <laughs> Who's that? I said, that's my mom. Oh, man, I can't wait to meet her. You'll rethink that in about a half an hour. They're always watching, aren't they? They're always looking. They're everywhere. Moms know things. It's frightening. They know things because they understand the responsibility that they've been given as a parent. And they want to give their child every opportunity to make the best possible decisions that they can. And even when they make the wrong decisions, they don't always react the right way. But they want their kids to be better than them to have it better than they had, to not struggle the way that they struggle. And so if you still have your mom with you, even if you're in a bad situation with them, you haven't talked to them for a while, let me tell you this, God can do a whole lot with very little if you'll just trust him in that. Pick up the phone and call her today. If you don't have your mom with you, I'm going to encourage you, find a family member and tell a great story about mom, even if it's one of those where she pulls you over in the middle of nowhere you shouldn't be. Share the character of that woman that raised you. Even her faults. Because in that we see that God can do a lot with very little. The scripture is full of some great moms, some really good decisions, and some not really good decisions. It's full of humanity. And finally, for those of you who, who may not have your mom, or maybe had that bad situation with their mom, would you just go and do what she did? Would you go before the Lord and just say, I need help? I don't know what to do. The greatest relationship in my life that I have is, is, is either gone or it's struggling and I need to fix this. And God, I know that you can do a whole lot with very little and you want to do so. And will you start doing that in my life instead of asking her to walk forward and do it in her life? That's really what this lady was doing. She was trusting God in one of the most important relationships she had of taking care of her kids. I don't think she was self-serving at all. I think she was scared. I think she was afraid. I think she was looking for answers, and she was at least wise enough to go to God for those solutions. And that's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you, and we thank you, Lord, and we thank you for Jesus. Lord, I'm reminded that when Mary was told by that angel that she was going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, that she pondered all these things up and treasured them in her heart. And God, I'm convinced the reason why she did so is because she was going to need all of those treasured memories. She was going to need all those things to be right there that day that she stood at the foot of the cross and saw her son hanging there for the sins of all mankind. Lord, I, I don't know fully what the details were with this lady but I can tell you that in seven short verses, in about ten sentences, what we see is a lady who loved her children so much that she wasn't going to let her pride get in the way, that she wasn't going to save the best or the last just for her, that her thought was always to do what was best and right for her kids. And so, God, this morning we thank you for moms. We thank you that our moms in some way or the other taught us lessons, some good, some not so good, but more than anything else, 
God, you gave children as a gift to parents and parents as a gift to their children. And so, Lord, on this Mother's Day, as we celebrate moms and we we think about all the good times, Lord, I, I know there's some healing that needs to happen. I know there's some forgiveness that needs to happen even long after mom passed away and is no longer with us. But God, I'm reminded just as this teaches us today, this passage, that you can do a whole lot with very little if we'll just trust you to do so. God, I pray that today that that our moms especially, that their children rise up and call them blessed. That their husbands sit at the city gates and they tell the stories of them. Father, for any mom today that's struggling, whatever the case may be, Father, remind them of how much you love them and how much you care for them. And that no matter how bad the situation is, that you can do a whole lot with very little. That you want to do so in their lives. God bless our moms. Bless this congregation. We ask these things in Christ's name. Stand with us this morning. We're going to sing. And I just encourage you on this Mother's Day, just think about 